You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Hello Income Podcast. Jared Sandler with you, broadcasting from our Metroplex studios. And joining us on the phone is the multi-award winning Kevin KT Fun Tweets Turner in place of Mike Bassick, who's somewhere on a beach right now. And honestly, depending on KT's performance, might get Wally pipped if uh, KT hits an inside-the-park home run like Joey Gallo did last night. Well, we all know that Mike is a little bit of a slacker from time to time, and he's really <laughs> let the TV life get to him. So um, if he decides that uh, he's uh, too big for you now that he's doing Fox Sports every night and all that stuff, uh, I'm around. I'm here, um, although I don't have the track record of uh, getting uh, MLB players out like Bassick did. Man, there's a joke to be made there. I'm not going to make it. But I will tell you that <laughs> uh, when Mike is doing pre- and post-game from the ballpark when the team's at home, he'll come and hang out in the booth with me during the game, which is great because you know we, we kind of go back and forth and talk about the game, and you know he, he offers up, obviously, his unique insight and – I'll try and help out with some some information that's specific to this team and stuff that's been said uh, that you know he might not necessarily be privy to because of his responsibilities with uh, G Bag, but he literally when he gets bored will sit there and this is such a TV star thing to do. He sits there and shops for ties and button down T shirts. <laughs> Like man, that's the least surprising thing of all time. And when he when he gets when he gets excited about one, he'll like kind of nudge me while I'm trying to you know send out some irrelevant tweet that no one really cares about. And he's like, "Oh, look at this tie. What do you think about this one? This will look good on TV, right?" It's like, "Oh my God, Mike Vasek, what has happened to you? He is uh, he is becoming a, a big time red carpet superstar." He's changed, man. He's really changed, and he's also. Uh, we we kind of call him uh, the interrupter over. Uh, <laughs> so on the Ben and Skin show, when we go on at three o'clock and we're trying to get everything in line, every single commercial break, Bassick will come in and start tapping Ben on the shoulder and asking him about the Rangers, or tapping Skin on the shoulder and asking him about the Mavs. Every single commercial break, like clockwork, every fifteen minutes, here comes Bassick. It's uh, I mean, it's kind of funny now. But he is, uh, he's very much the guy who will tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, 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 check out this tie. I'm going to buy this tie. <laughs> That's so true. And, you know, the worst is I'm sure for you guys when you walk in there and his lunch is in there because, you know, he can't have food in the studio. So sometimes he'll have his lunch in the prep room, and then you probably know you're screwed because you know that every commercial break he has to come in so he can eat his food. He's got to come in and eat, and that's another reason why he comes in there too. He's, He's always looking for food. interrupting with his, his sports questions with food and mouth. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. All right. Well, we'll get back to Bassic bashing in a second because we can do this for a while. 
Uh, we oh, love yeah. Mike Basick, obviously. But uh, all right, so the uh, NBA drafts tonight, and I'm curious in the spirit of the draft, KT. I know you've already got your 40 round 2018 MLB mock draft. So who do you have going in the 32nd round to the Rangers? 32nd round in the Rangers. Um, I'm going with Steve Stevenson, not to be confused with Fourth Star Telegram uh, <laughs> member Stephon Stevenson, who looks a little bit like Austin Powers. Um, you know what's crazy is that when we were kind of throwing some names around the other day, skin out of nowhere goes, "I'm going to go with Gardner." And they actually did take a guy in the ninth round, uh, Gardner, who's uh, from Frisco. Yeah, for Centennial oh, High School. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, Texas like Tech and Frisco. Did, did you like? I know it's hard to tell. Did you like their draft? Yeah, so this is what I always say about it. I I am familiar with the top 60 players, and then I'm familiar with college players from the Pac-12 because of you know my interest in USC baseball, and then I'm familiar with college players from the big-time schools. But I am by no means in any way, shape, or form familiar with a high school kid who gets taken Probably anywhere after the fourth round. I might I might be somewhat familiar with a high school kid taken in the third round, but that's a less than 50% chance. So with that said, for the most part, I have to go off of what a lot of people who know all these guys think, and people seem to be happy with what the Rangers did. I'm not talking about uh, people with inside the Rangers' walls. I'm talking about you know so-called draft experts. But, I, you know, I'm not... I guess I could sit here and I could have given you a better answer, but I'd be doing nothing more than blowing smoke up everyone's tush. And I just, I don't want to do that. Cause I don't, I don't know about the 27th round kid out of high school. I, I've never seen or heard of that guy. What I do like is that the Rangers went pitcher heavy. You know, they always draft, you know, a significant amount of pitchers, but it seemed like they, they put an even greater emphasis on pitching uh, this year. You know, as far as the top round picks, I'm the guy I'm most excited about is Hans Kraus, and it really has nothing to do with the fact that uh, he was a USC commit and that his brother currently goes to USC and, and plays there. But it has more to do with the fact that he is a first round talent that fell because he's quirky, and you know, quirky. And you probably know this, KT, with the the NFL draft. There are guys who are quirky, and sometimes quirky guys fall because teams take their quirks as negatives and. You know, sometimes there's, you know, maybe only two or three teams who take their quirks as positives. And I don't get the sense talking to people at the Rangers that they're too concerned about Hans Krause's quirks. Uh, and I'm really excited about what, what he can bring to the table. And I think the Rangers are too because they drafted Chris Cease with their second first-round pick pretty much so that they could sign Hans Krause. Now, they didn't know for sure they were getting Hans Krause, but Chris Cease was the guy they drafted probably ahead of where he was projected to go, but they did so with the idea in mind that they could sign him for a below-slot value, which they did, which provided them money to sign a guy like Hans Kraus if he fell to them, and ultimately he did. So, I I mean, th- those are my thoughts on the draft, I guess. No, no, I think that's really cool. Like, I think there's like a bigger discussion to be had, and we don't need to do that necessarily here, but I did have a quick idea. Like, you know, really, the MLB draft, I wish, was on a bigger landscape. But it's like, again, you don't know any of these high school kids. No one does besides these teams. But it's like, man, what if they made you go to college, go play college baseball? You could still do one and done. And maybe if you do go, if they do change that rule, 
you got to go to college. You go, you go be a one and done, and maybe the years of club control is five years instead of six. You know, just to kind of make up for that. Then that would also it would like raise the, I guess the the viewing of college baseball. You know, I, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just it, it seems like it, there's there's a way to to make uh, the MLB draft a little bit more cool and more uh, more well known. Besides some just thing that happens on a random Monday night, you know. But you know, like, you know, if you're, as long as you're taking high school players, no one's going to know about these guys. So. You know, I think that's a good idea, and I've I've thought about this a lot. Uh, and the only the only hurdle, or I don't shouldn't say the only the the biggest hurdle I see with that is if a guy has Tommy John. As much as it's just a thing that happens now, it's no longer a big deal. I think I saw somewhere where like forty percent of major league pitchers have had Tommy John at some point in their career. Some some number wow. around there. So it's not like I mean, you know, I know that the the college athlete fears the ACL injury and how that might impact their draft value. But the ACL injury doesn't occur nearly as often as the Tommy John surgery, the the UCL injury for pitchers, but that could still cost you a million dollars, half a million dollars, you know, I don't know. And so for the high school position players, I, I guess I don't think that at the end of the day it would be the biggest deal ever, but for the high school pitcher, you know, I, I think that person would end up just sitting out a year. I mean, you know what I mean? Like not not doing anything to risk losing however many millions of dollars or a million dollars by going to school as a freshman and having Tommy John because they tear something. I think that that would be the biggest the biggest hurdle. And then, like, there's a guy like Royce Lewis, a high school shortstop who's drafted first overall who made $7 million with his signing bonus or something like that. You know, I guess it just goes back to the whole, are you going to be able to tell kids – who are capable of earning that type of money that they have to wait or they can't earn that money the minute that they're first eligible to, to earn that money. Does that make sense? You know, you know it, it, does, it makes a lot of sense. And th- I mean, that's a, that, that's a discussion. That whole thing has layers and layers and layers and probably not even enough time to do it on the Hello Wind Column podcast. That's true. Because there's just, it just, it could go on. Like there's just so many, uh, there's so many right and left turns that it could take. Um, but I do like I'm sorry, I love any any draft. Like I will pay attention to the NBA draft tonight. Um, I will. I mean, especially the Dallas Stars have a decent. But I'll find out what's going on in the NHL draft. I don't necessarily know any of these players. Um, but the MLB draft. I'm a guy who used to like back when I had more time. I used to like have a subscription to Baseball Prospectus and you know read up on all these. You know, at least the first, like you said, first sixty guys. Yeah. You know, know a know a handful of names in the top 100. So, like, I'm I'm into it, and just wish like there was a way that it could be done at a different time. Like, I think it would be cool if it was done on All Star Week, on like the last day, like you know, the last day of All Star Week when there's no games and there's nothing going on in the world besides the ESPY awards. I was like, man, hey, that'd be cool. But it's like, okay, I understand they want to get these guys drafted and into their system. I totally understand that, but. I I would like to make it a must see TV event of some sort, you know, rather than you know a game uh, on a night where your team is playing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just like the draft love that I have. Maybe that's what it is. But I do wish it was a uh, more highly publicized than it is. Well, you are. I mean, you are along with Jeff Cavanaugh, two people I know who consume their their 
their free time with a draft and, and specifically the NFL draft more than most. And so uh, that makes sense that you love the draft. I get that. Yeah. Now, I don't love the draft for wars because I don't want to do that. The draft? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. Would you? So does that? do you watch film? Do you think like nowadays if that were to come back into play, they would watch film on all the, the prospective uh, soldiers and then make their determinations that way or would it just go back to the old, old system? I think they'd probably go back to the old system, which means that I, personally, I mean, you that would probably make you speed up um, your life a little bit, probably go ahead and get married. Yep. Um, for me, I would probably have to uh, pay a woman uh, <laughs> to marry me, and, and probably we would have to reproduce because I think if you're married, they'd still send you. Um. So I think there would be a kid thing involved that they would make you not leave your kid. It might it might give me incentive to to tear my other ACL. I'm just kidding. If if it, if I was asked to to fight for my country, then uh, hey, that's what's in the cards. That's what's in the cards. A, a political edition of the Hello Wind Column podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's get into <laughs> Rangers talk here. I I'm curious, KT. Sometimes you know I find that. When I'm talking to you or Kavanaugh or, or Skin or Ben or you know whoever about the Rangers, you guys think of things that like I'm I'm in too deep sometimes to to think about. You know I'm I'm there every day. I'm so consumed in what's going on that sometimes the hey why don't I take a step back and think about things from a different perspective is really healthy. So I'm just curious like what are what are the things that are like most interesting to you about the Rangers right now? Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's, uh, just like almost every year in Rangers' recent history, every season has had, it's just it's just chapters and chapters of, of plot lines and, and storylines and narratives. And this year is right up there with one of the most interesting seasons I've ever seen, just because there's stories all over the place. Like, I think we're just now getting the, the rotation back. Cole Hamels could come back next week. You know, Wow, then let's talk about it. At the beginning of June, if I told you, Jared, hey, we're going to be 500 at the end of June, we would have all high-fived and said, let's make a run, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm looking here and I'm like, okay. And this, I, I'm telling you, this didn't hit me until last night when I was kind of thinking about being on this podcast with you. And I was just like, wow, there's really only eight days left in the month. Uh, whatever happens in you know the next week or so, looks like they're going to be right around 500. They, they made it through the gauntlet, you know, of just really difficult competition, and you know a big part of that's going five and one against Washington and Houston. Like that helped you helped you get ahead of the curve a little bit, but by all accounts, it really seems by the end of June, towards the halfway point, we're going to be about 500. Going to be about a game or two out of the second wild card. And just now, getting full lineup flexibility with everyone healthy and everyone starting to click, and your full starting rotation. So, you know, kind of kind of thought we might know what this team is by July first. It's like, you know what? Maybe we won't. Maybe that's the beginning of finding out what this team is once you get everyone healthy and ready to go. All right. So, KT, let me ask you this: You talk about you know what's to come with the playoff race. What? What would the Rangers have to do to make 
buying or not selling worth it? Because we all look at this roster and there are a number of guys who could help replenish the farm system. Unfortunately, you can't you can't guarantee anything on July 31st or August 1st. I mean, the Rangers could have a three-game lead in the wild card, but that doesn't mean anything. That could all change. They could be two back in the wild card, and you know, two weeks later, they could be seven back in the wild card. But what would it would it simply be like when you look back on the season? If the Rangers were to take the form of buyers in any degree, or at least not take the form of sellers, would it be worth it if they just? were in the playoff race all the way down to the end? Would they simply have to make the playoffs? Would they have to win a series? Like, what would make you say, all right, you know what? The farm system could have gotten better, but it was worth it because blank. Okay, I think to do that, I think you have to step back and say, what does selling get us? And I think it's it's real fun to be like, oh, man, look at all these assets that we can sell off. Okay, yeah, that's an easy thing to say. Okay, say you sell you Darvish. What's you Darvish going to get you back? In your head, you're going, oh, that'd be great if it's five players. No, it's going to be like, what, three? Let's talk about David Price when he was traded to the Blue Jays. He they got, they got three pitchers, highly thought of pitchers. Two of them were really close to being big league ready. That's awesome. Okay, that's good. Um, so you got, are you okay with that being your haul for you Darvish? You know, because that's probably what we're kind of talking about, right? Uh, what does Lucroy get you? I don't know. I don't know how much Lucroy gets you at this point. Um, what does Gomez get you? Gomez might get you a little bit just because, you know, just he, how well he's been playing. Um, but, you know, who even knows what a lot of teams think about Gomez at this point in his career. So I think we talk about selling so much, and it's like, what are we actually selling? Are you going to be able to sell Tyson Ross? I don't know what Tyson Ross is yet, you know? I don't even know what Cashner is yet. All these things that we talked about selling, it makes you go, I don't I'm not even sure like what I'm what I'm giving away, much less what I would get back. So, you know, obviously it's disappointing if you don't make the playoffs and look, the odds are against you. Like if there's seven teams competing for the wild card, okay, let's talk about one one of those seven teams that the odds statistically just aren't in your favor, okay? So, like, yeah, it, honestly, the smart thing to do might be to sell in terms of, like, playing it safe. But I can't tell you that, like, I, I just think it's such a hard thing to go to Adrian Beltran and be like, hey, man, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and get rid of you, Darvish, here, okay? And we're going we're gonna to send LaCroix away along with him, and we're also going to see what we can get for Kashner. I think it's a hard thing to go tell Elvis and Adrian Beltran and, and have that conversation with Beltran. Hey, do you want to go? Like, I don't know, man. I just, I, I just, I'm a big believer in baseball is so hard to get in. If you have a chance to get in, you better take it. And this team's got a chance right now. So it's going to be really hard for me to make any moves in terms of selling. Now, I'm also not trying to buy. Um, the only thing I'd be trying to buy might be a bullpen piece that is, that is cheap. And, again, I think you can just find these guys. What if the Rangers get something out of Ernesto Frieri? To the end of the year you know like these guys are not necessarily uh the most expensive parts to find so that's kind of where i'm at man I, I don't know where you stand on this i know you probably have gone back and forth because the way the team has played uh so i'm curious to see where you're at you know in all this yeah i mean i i do i fully subscribe to the notion that it's just it's so unfair to 
to feel like we have a sense of what this team is right now because of all the roster changes that you identified earlier, you know, getting Hamels back, finally getting Gomez and Beltre. It would have been nice if the Rangers could have won a series against the Blue Jays that, you know, as they get ready for today's game, they're, they're simply trying for a split and it's going to be a tough one because Marcus Stroman's on the mound for the Blue Jays and I'm, I'm a big Stroman fan, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that we do have to wait and see. And, and thankfully, the Rangers have the ability to wait and see. It's not like they have to commit right now. I, I think for me, and, and you're right, I, I don't know. So first of all, the fact that the Rangers would even be in a position to sell probably means that some of their sellable assets aren't performing to the degree that would get a lot back in return for them, if that makes sense. You know, if, if everyone was playing well and, and Mike Napoli and Tyson Ross and Andrew Cash and all of these guys had full value, then we'd probably not be talking about a team that would even be considering this. But there are still a few guys like Gomez and Darvish and, you know, you brought up Beltre and that's a fascinating one. I, I don't see it happening this year, but if the Rangers are not in the mix next year, I wonder if Beltre would go to the front office and say, guys, I got three months left in my career. Never won a World Series. I love you guys, but I I just I want a shot. If if there's one out there, I'd love the chance to to take a shot. I could see that happening next year. I don't think that happens this year. So that's a guy who you know, as you mentioned, you're you're probably not going to sell him. Uh, you know, Tyson Ross, you don't know. Cashner, you don't know. But Gomez and Darvish are the two ones I think of, and, and Jonathan Lucroy to to some degree as well. I know some Rangers fans are down on him, but I promise you that there's a team in Major League Baseball that would give a little bit for Jonathan Lucroy. So. Uh, I'll go with, uh, you know, I go with those as the the primary guys who could do something, uh, get you something back. But for me, if the Rangers were to make the playoffs, it would be worth it. Even if it's a one-and-done wild-card game situation, if the Rangers were to make the playoffs, to me, it would be worth not selling. And and I base that that simply on the fact that if you get in in Major League Baseball, you've got a shot. In the NBA, in the NHL, uh, you know what? I take that back. In the NHL, if your goalie gets hot, you're good to go. But in the NBA, if you get in, you don't have a shot. You know, just by getting in, you don't have a shot. If the Mavericks were to have squeaked into the playoffs this year, they might have had a shot to win one playoff game. And I yeah. think we all agree that that probably wasn't worth it. Uh, but in baseball, and especially with a rotation that is led by Darvish and Hamels, which even though that didn't work out for the Rangers last year, I'll roll the dice and I'll say, hey, you know what? I'll take a shot. If if the Rangers can get in, then it's worth it. No, I agree 100%. And I think you made a point I was just about to make. Give me Darvish Hamels and whatever we find out that we get in Tyson Ross, okay? Let's go to the playoffs with that and see what happens. Yeah. Okay, and, and I just I think it's totally worth it. I think there's a message to your fan base that's – kind of important when you're getting a new stadium. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how much that really matters in the end, but that does mean something, I think. And I think it's a big important. That's why I don't believe in tanking, man. Like, I just don't believe in flipping off your city. Like, I just don't, I don't believe you do that. So um, I'm not saying that's what it would be. It would be a smart play. And I also worry that the, the word selling is clouded now that selling is not necessarily a term that's thought about realistically anymore. I think it's something that was, we were talking about at the beginning of the year. If things go wrong, we can easily sell all this. And the point you made is the best one yet. When you said, 
if one of the reasons you're talking about selling is because your sellable assets haven't performed up to their level, then that changes, you know, how excited you are about selling. Selling is one of those things that sounds good until it's really time to do it. And then you sit here and you got to wait. And I, I just, man, it, it's such a, it's such a short life we live. The Rangers may never get back to, you know, one game. Now I have full faith that they will, but may never get back to being in a, at a point of making a run for it. And I just think you got to do it, man. And I also feel like this team has got a chance to be pretty good, depending on, you know, health and all that stuff. But I do have a feeling that maybe their best baseball hasn't been played yet. I agree. I'm talking about a team who's had a 10-game win streak and has gone 5-1 and one against Washington and Houston. I think maybe the best baseball is yet to be played. So that's enough to kind of – kind of at least have a glimmer of hope for why you should go for it. I'll tell you what, man, it's just more fun when you go for it. So, I mean, it's a very simple thing, a very simple novel concept we're talking about, but, man, I don't I don't like being out of it like 2014. Yeah. I'm not saying that selling would necessarily do that, you know. There's the other angle is, they could sell these guys. What if you keep winning games? <laughs> All right. Well, man, that would feel like it kind of a win-win. But well- that was like what the Yankees did last year when they sold they sold off Chapman and Miller and they almost made the playoffs. Yeah, well, okay, I'm making runs, so, you know, I'm sure the front office has thought about that scenario as well. So, you know, to me, it's always more fun too. Though when we're talking about baseball, it's always more fun to me to talk about. When we tell them on a daily basis. I know this podcast here that we're on right now is weekly, but on a daily basis, to me, it's more fun to just talk about what happened in the game. There are so many scenarios that happen at a baseball game that kind of are a series, even if you want to spread it out a little bit, you know. So I'm kind of sitting here going, okay, let's get to this Blue Jays game, and then we got the Yankees. Wow, that's going to be fun to see Aaron Judge. That's going to be a blast. And then we got the Indians who are starting to play well and kind of starting to play like the team that we think they are. But I always kind of like that series in the middle of summer in Cleveland where they have that 11 a.m. day game. I always think that's a fun uh Fun thing that we don't get a whole lot. <laughs> it definitely gives me a, a free night. And then uh, I think I've got a Rough Riders game that night, so it'll be a doubleheader for me. Uh, oh, man. Well, that didn't work out good last time. No, it did not. I barely got there. Hey, how many home runs will Aaron Judge hit against the Rangers? Three-game series. Over, under, one and a half. I'm going to take okay. the under. So one of those games is going to be Darvish. Uh, one of those games might very well be Hamels. Or sorry, not Hamels, not Hamels. Uh, Kashner. Kashner on Sunday. We, yeah, we don't know for sure, but it it could be Kashner. And Saturday would be Austin Bivens Dirks. I believe so. Yeah. Um, I think two. Okay, so you take the over. Yeah. All right. I go. Yeah, it should, uh, should be less, I guess. Right, but in that ballpark. No. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's homering. I got the notes right here. As of last night, he's hitting a home run every seven at-bats at home. So you think three-game series, he'll probably get 12 or so at-bats? Uh, yeah. There you go. Um, quick question. Yeah. So Nick Martinez goes out and performs well, and he's good for that. Like Nick Martinez is good for that about once a month to really just go shut down an opposing offense. 
or once every five starts. Uh, we saw him do it earlier in the year too. You know, it's a really good name. And then like he has serviceable, you know, depth. So that's great. Um, what are they going to do though? I mean, um, someone's going to have to go down at some point. Yeah. Is it him or is it Austin Bivens Dirks? What do you think their plan's going to be? I don't, you know, I think they're still trying to figure that out. Uh, my thought is that I, I know this. I know they really like Austin Bibbins Dirks, and that's not a you know a comment on whether they do or don't like Nick Martinez. Obviously, they like Nick Martinez because he's he's gotten several shots, especially uh, under Jeff Bannister's reign as this team's manager. But they do like Austin Bibbins Dirks, and I think I think that Austin Bibbins Dirks would stay in the bullpen as the long man. And Nick Martinez would go to AAA and get starts to keep him in the rhythm of a starting pitcher. But, you know, I I, I guess I'm not 110% positive. And I, I don't know that the Rangers, it's not that they're not prepared and they don't know. I think they're still in the process of trying to figure out what's best and, and what they need. Uh, and, you know, obviously we look at those guys as, well, they're both guys who could come out of the bullpen and both guys who can start. Uh, they look at those guys like in a much more specific manner. Austin Bibbins Dirks brings this, 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 and that, and that plays well against you know these opponents. And we're playing those types of opponents over the next two weeks. Whereas Nick Martinez is good at you know these seven things, and you know those seven things don't totally jive with you know who's coming up in the schedule right away. But you know what? Three weeks from now, we think Nick Martinez matches up with these teams. So maybe Nick Martinez is is better. You know spent in the minors, and then we'll call him up because the matchup might play more favorably. You know, all those things. There's so many things. It's fascinating to me, all the things they consider, whereas, you know, we, we try to look at it surface level, and they're just not able to. I mean, you can you can look at it surface level at, at times, but more often than not, uh, when you're only looking at it like that at this level, uh, you're going to get bit in the butt. So... I think it's easy for me to sit here and say that Austin Bibbins Dirk stays and Nick Martinez goes down to AAA and, and starts. But, man, I, I'm sure there are all sorts of things that they're considering. And, and the reality is, even if that plays out, my reasoning as to why that is is probably nowhere near what their reasoning is because of all the, the complexities that go into these sorts of things. Do you want to hear a bad take? Yeah. So... I would send Nick Martinez down because he's not due for another seven-inning, one-run start for another month. That is the bad take of the day, brought to you by KT Fun Tweets. That's not a bad take. I mean, listen, no, I think, it is. it's a horrible take. No, it's not. Pre- preemptive decision-making to avoid uh, the bad is is something that I think we need more of. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> on board with that. Uh, all right, let me ask you this. Quick question. And we'll end on this. You can extend one of these two players, but you, you also have to assume you're not extending them for the same amount of money. You're extending them for what their market value likely will be. Mm-hmm. You Darvish or Carlos Gomez. So obviously, you Darvish will command way, 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 way more money, probably more than twice as much as Carlos Gomez. So I guess that's, that's why, to me, this becomes an interesting question. Man. Okay. Okay, okay. Here we go. My answer is you, Darvish. But that is a great question. 
So I will say five at 30 rather than three at 15 for Gomez. Now, with ownership be down with that and all that, that's a big question. But I think right now, if you look at kind of your assets, all your – well, look, there's more position players than pitchers, clearly, in our starting rotation. But you start to look at what could go away in Ross and Kashner. You know Martin Perez will be there. I need someone to be there for me in the rotation who I can count on and be there for me. And New Darvis is going to be that guy. So I can find that guy. I may not be able to find a guy as effective as Gomez. Um, if I have to run another year of a Drew Stubbs and Jared Hoying platoon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing that, throwing names out there. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. Um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. And I love Gomez and want to keep him around. But if I've got to choose between the two, and what we need going forward. Um, and kind of where your assets are already allocated, I would say you, Darvish. All right. And I would probably say Gomez, not because I don't value you, Darvish, but he's north of 30, and the five-year, $150 million contract is a little daunting to me. Unless there were an opt-out, there would be an opt-out after the third year. If the Rangers, Ooh, like the opt-out. If the Rangers had the ability to opt-out after the third year, I'm in on Darvish. If not, man, that's a tough one. That is tough, man. But then the other thing to this equation, and I know you're probably tired of talking about this crap, and I am too a little bit. Shohei um, Otani? The Otani bargain makes that contract so worth it. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I just don't think that you, Darvish, being here has much bearing at all as to you know you, uh, where Shohei Otani signs. And I think you know Jeff Passan. Yeah, I think Jeff Passan made a really good point that sometimes. These guys from Japan actually prefer to play on a team in which they are the only Japanese guy. And I'll tell you this, uh, when Koji Wahara and Yu Darvish were on the same team, uh, it wasn't like those guys were best buddies. You know, and uh, it actually, I think, you know, the, the way, listen, I'll just, I, they didn't, I don't think they're, they're going and having dinner. I'll just say that. Uh, and, Man, and why it, did they hate each other? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know, but... Well, I do know, but uh, oh. I I don't think that uh, they didn't hate each other. Um, I don't think that playing with you, Darvish, is as exciting to Shohei Otani as we're making it out to be. Now, if it happens, it happens, but I think that the most overrated storyline with Shohei Otani is where is you, Darvish, going to end up? And that's the that's where Shohei Otani might go. I just don't. I don't see that happening. I, as a matter of fact, I think the Rangers' chances of getting Shohei Otani are actually better if you Darvish is not here. Personally, just just my personal thought. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, man. I think that all makes a lot of sense. So I, I think the I think the most foolish thing that really anything regarding you Darvish or Otani is anyone who really thinks they have a really good feel for it. Oh yeah, okay? agreed. Like That's, in the media, like I know you talk to people who are a little closer to the situation. And you're definitely closer to the situation. But, man, I think I have a hard time ever going on the air and saying, oh, I think Darvish would do this. I don't have an idea. I had no idea what he's about. No idea. I don't, yeah, and I think that was that was really the biggest part of that Jeff Passan article is that we can sit here and, and say this and say that and say, you know, seven different things about what we think, but no one really knows because Shohei Otani has, has almost been intentionally – 
uh, vague about his plans. And, and we don't even know for sure he's going to make that jump. He might wait. He might say, give me another year playing in Japan or another two years so I can make that big money because of the new CBA rules. He might not make that leap. I think he will, but we don't even know that for sure. It's not like this is a graduating senior who is destined to enter the NBA draft or the NFL draft or, you know, pick the sport. This is a a professional baseball player in Japan who's making decent money there uh, who would be almost taking a step back financially if he were to come to America. Now, there are all sorts of loopholes and ways he can end up making a lot of money and endorsements and stuff, but it just it, to me it's not a total slam dunk. It's a a six foot two guy who dunks five times a year type of slam dunk where he might yeah. not be able to complete the dunk. It is not a LeBron James seven feet above the rim slam dunk, if that makes sense. Absolutely. All right. And it makes makes a lot of sense. KT? You are award, you are award winning. I mean, look, I won a lot of golf trophies as a kid. There you go. That's all it takes. The award winning KT Fun Tweets. KT, thank you so much for filling in for Mikey. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Rest in peace, Mike. There you go, Kevin Turner. Right there, I'm Jared Sandler. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Halloween Column Podcast on 105.3thefan.com.